0: Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. Well, we've been on a great series called First John, Live Like Jesus. We've been looking at the book of First John, and I have to say personally that this has been a pretty convicting series. Um, Because John has this way of really hitting you right where it counts. So we've been talking about this idea, not about the belief part of Christianity, but about the behavior part. And you know, there's one thing that would be true of most people in this room, is that we would agree around certain beliefs about... That we should act a certain way and live a certain way and we should love a certain way and have certain attitudes. And so we look at all those things. I think all of us would be going, okay, I kind of get that. Yeah, I'm supposed to do that. But the reality is that oftentimes our beliefs are different than our behaviors. And so I've personally been challenged, to be real honest, to go back and just say, God, you've got to speak to me. Because as I read this book, I'm so convicted when it comes to things like loving others. Last week, Pastor Frank talked about this whole idea of a perfect God loving imperfect people. And I was just challenged to say, you know, what, I need to love people a little bit more. Come on. How many felt that if you're here last week? And, you know, you look at things like him talking about the, the different temptations in our life and lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh and pride of life and living a more holy life and not getting caught up in the temptations of the world and understanding that we're overcomers. And I look at all those things. And again, I'm challenged because I believe all those things. But do I behave that way? Come on. Am I speaking to anybody out there? And so as we move forward in this book over the next couple of weeks, you know, my challenge for myself as well as for us is when we hear the truth, do we not just embrace it, but do we also apply it in our lives? Do we leave change? Does our behavior change? And that's really what this whole series is about is how do we live like Jesus? How do we live like him? That word Christian means Christ-like. It means to behave like him. And so we're going to look once again at another portion of scripture that deals with a challenging area, which is the gospel. And this book, it's important to understand that it was written at a very critical time in the history of the church, much like today. It was written right towards the end of the first century And you find that the church had had significant growth in those first 70 years, and there was expansive growth, and missionary journeys, and signs and wonders, and miracles, and people giving their life to Christ, and Jerusalem being turned upside down. So you read all of that stuff in the book of Acts. Significant things were happening. But around 70 AD, there was a huge scattering. I mean, it was significant persecution and crisis. And as people scattered, there was this emergence of false doctrine. And people were actually leaving the church and coming up with these new thoughts and ideas and beliefs. And not only were they just changing the way that they believed and behaved, they were pretty passionate about going out. They sent out itinerant teachers into different regions to try to get people to change their beliefs and behaviors. And so John is writing in a point where there's this crisis and there's all these different thoughts and Christians are being scattered and there's a lot of confusion that's taking place and people are second-guessing their beliefs and there's a lot of pressure on them. And John comes to try to settle the score. He's trying to come in this portion of Scripture that we're going to look at today to just say a couple things. He wants to say, first of all, there's some people out there that are teaching false doctrine. There's a lot of different beliefs out there. And what I'm going to try to do is to try to help you understand the difference between the two. And he comes down to this, this most important point that if we get anything out of this today, we get this one thought. It really matters what I believe. That what I believe matters. Listen, what you believe will determine your eternal destiny. What you believe will actually dictate how you behave. How you behave determines who you become. And you are a byproduct right now today of your belief system, of how you operate in life and what you think about relationships or marriage or what you think about raising kids or work or whatever it is in your whatever your upbringing has been, you are a byproduct of what you believe. So what I believe really matters. And John, he, he brings these thoughts to, to this, this whole idea. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 John 4. We're going to just look verse by verse. And I want to look at the first six verses today of First John 4. It's towards the end of your Bible, right before Revelation. If you have a Bible, just go way to the back, First John 4, 1 through 6. And this is what's so important. He's talking to a group of people that are very similar to you and I. The culture and the time and the season in which we're living. First of all, as we look today, we see that we're living in a time where there are significant needs in our culture. You look at what's happening with the with the breakdown of the family, and you look at the depression and the discouragement and the political tensions and the economical tensions that we're facing and unemployment, and you look at all of the stuff that's happening around us. There are billions of people today that are out looking for answers to their problems. I mean, we're living in a time where people are just saying, man, life is tough and I'm hurting and I just, I don't have all the answers. And so I'm got to find the truth to help me so that I can stay sane. A lot like in 1st John. The second thing which makes it different than First John is that we're living in probably one of the most significant times in that there is a technological revolution taking place. Meaning you can have at your fingertips the thoughts, the opinions and beliefs of billions of people with one click of your computer. So you have podcasts and Facebook and different websites and people preaching and you have resources at your fingertips. You have TV and radio and Twitter and all of those things. You are being inundated with all of these different thoughts. So as you go out and you're hurting and you're looking for questions to all, or excuse me, answers to all of your questions, there is a plethora of, of opinions and ideas that you can grab from. And here's the other challenge on top of this. There's a lot of funny doctrine out there. Because of the deterioration of absolute truth and sound doctrine, there's a lot of people that have put together funky thoughts that people are buying into. And so when you look at this, John is coming to this place in this book where he's saying this. And he's going to make it real simple. In the midst of all of the noise and opinions and tens of thousands of different religions and beliefs and doctrines, he comes down and he's going to say this. There are two types of people in the world today. There's people on this side that say, Jesus is God. And there's people over here that say that he's not. And what's interesting, when you look at the... Tens of thousands of religions. It really boils down to Christianity saying Jesus is God. And then all of the other 10,000s and thousands of religions say that he's not. And so he's trying to make it real clear. He's saying there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of confusion. But it doesn't need to be that way. He's either God. Or he's not. And so when you look at this portion of scripture, if you have your Bibles, I want to look at the first three verses of 1 John 4, which really talks about the melting pot of distorted truths. And, and John brings out these three important principles that just, I, I want to try to help you logically think through this morning what he's trying to say. And my prayer this morning is this is that if you do believe that Jesus is God, you should be passionate about sharing that. Not just believing it, but behaving like Jesus. And if you're here this morning and maybe you say, I'm on a spiritual journey and I'm really trying to figure that out, and that's okay, we've all been there and we're all kind of on that. But if you're here, I hope and pray that I can compel you to consider this idea that Jesus is God. And so John starts out to try to help us think through that thought process. And the first thing that you see that John brings out, chapter four, verse one, is that there are many spirits or that there are many religions. And he starts in verse one, he says, dear friends, listen, family, friends, listen closely, give me your ear. Do not believe every spirit he goes on and says, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. So he's saying, listen, don't believe everything you hear and test everything you believe. In other words, don't Don't allow your entire eternal destiny to be set into that opinion or thought of another person. In other words, just because your parents say that that's the way that it is or a teacher or even a pastor, even me today, I would challenge you to go test this because look, at the end of the day, when you stand before him, God, however you want to define that, your parent isn't going to be there. Your pastor is not going to be there. A teacher is not going to be there. Some person you're following on their blog or podcast, they won't be there. It's going to be you. And so John is saying, listen, you better know that you know that you know that you know that what you believe is the truth. That's what he's saying. Because he's saying there's thousands of beliefs and all of them don't lead to God. All of them don't even define God in the same way. All of them don't even have the same path or the same faith. How can they all lead to somewhere if one's a tree and one's an all-powerful being? Right? So he's saying, listen, there's a a lot of things. The first thing he's saying is, listen, there are tens of thousands of spirits or beliefs out there. Working out at the gym, and I talked with this guy, and He said this to me, because we were talking and just trying to share with him about about God. And he says, you know what, I, I just don't like organized religion. I said, okay, I can understand that. He says, in fact, I don't like any religion. He says, but I'm a spiritual person. So I'm writing or developing my own religion. He says, I don't got it all figured out yet. I'm still working on it. He says, I'll let you know when it's finished. And I'm thinking, well, let me know how that works for you and stuff. But I say this to say that. Here's a guy that's extremely passionate about something. And he's basing his entire eternal destiny. Rolling the dice. Kind of sketching it out. Got his white Okay, God can beat that. It really believes what you matter. Matters what you believe. I've done that a few times. You guys will follow me. That's awesome. So there are many spirits. The second thing John says this, is that there are many affected. So it's not just that there's thousands of beliefs out there. He's 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 making this personal. He's, he's trying to get us to understand as believers that this is a big deal. That people really are believing this and many lives are affected. So he goes on to say that not only are there many spirits and you should test them, he says, because, the rest of verse 1, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. They have dedicated their life to persuade people to believe in their belief system. It's kind of what he's saying. And again, today there are thousands and thousands of voices. I mean, there are 1.3 billion Muslims today. If you take America and you times our population by four, that will give you the amount of Muslims that are on planet Earth today. They started 500 years after Christianity. You take a look at all these different religions like Hinduism, there's 900 million Hindus today, 500 million Buddhists today, 394 million people that believe in Taoism or Confucianism. And you go down this list and you're 15 million Mormons and 12 to 18 million Jehovah's Witnesses. You look at all these numbers and you realize these are loving, sincere people that have bought into a lie. And he's saying, listen, this isn't just about belief system. He's saying your friend, your neighbor, your relative, your cousin, your mom or your dad are being approached by people with these kind of lies. Let me ask you a real honest question. This is, this is always a little bit challenging for me, but I, I just wanna give you an idea of how real this very, how real this is. How many people within the last 12 months have been approached by anybody that was in a world religion or cult that wanted to share with you their beliefs? Can I see a show of hands, all campuses? Keep your hand up and look around. Here's what the statistics show. 90% of all people have been confronted or approached by someone in a world religion or so-called Christian cult. Let me ask the next question. How many of you here today have been approached by a Christian, born-again Christian, that you did not know that was trying to persuade you to believe in Christ? Can I see a show of hands? Look around the room. That's challenging, guys. I don't know about you, and I don't know about the other campuses, but the average is one out of 10 people are approached by a Christian, nine out of 10 by a world religion or cult. And we're supposedly the largest movement on planet Earth. And here's, here's the challenging part, and this is kind of what Paul's getting at. How can it possibly be that there are groups of people over here that are operating under some antichrist spirit of the age? cultic spirit that are more passionate and more committed to sharing a lie than we are having the truth. How can that be? How can that be? I I beg you to just listen. We're talking in this series about living like Jesus. This, this is, this is Christianity 101. And what, what, what John's trying to say is, guys, we've got to break through the cranial Christianity or the privatization of our faith or our westernized Christianity thinking where we do our 90 minute quota and then go do the rest of our life. He's saying, it's not supposed to be that way. Listen, there are real people. There are many people being affected. Every time that your heart beats, someone dies without Christ. Right now, right now, right now, right now. And he's saying, this is real. Eternity is real. There's all of these beliefs. Many are being affected, so it's time to kind of do the McFly thing and say, let's wake up. It's why we're here. Okay, come on, are you with me? Come on. I remember reading the story just a short time ago about a guy. His name is James Arthur Ray. Anybody remember James Arthur Ray? In the back, you remember him. Listen, he he's he was this he still is, but he, you know, this seemingly nice, charismatic, caring self-help author that just wanted to try to help people kind of go through a cleansing process. He had this great seminar idea called Spiritual Warfare or Spiritual Warrior Seminar. And the difference was it just wasn't about spiritual cleansing. It was holistic cleansing. So he invited you to Camp Verde, Arizona, where you got to hang out in sweat tents. And you got to hang out there, and you would go through this Physical cleansing is they talked, and as you meditated, your soul and your spirit would be cleansed, and you go through this. The reality is, people died in the tent. Just happened. Three people died, 18 hospitalized. He was actually just convicted of homicide. Look at me. That could have been your brother or sister. And what I'm saying is, what I believe, what they believe, really does matter how about jim jones anybody remember a guy named jim jones i mean he he persuaded some people again this guy was was obsessed with hitler and stalin and he had this idea to kind of death and religion and put them together and he got 900 people to sell everything move to guyana and drink kool-aid and die or how about this other guy that started this group called heaven's gates Marshall Applewhite, it was called the UFO religion down in San Diego, and you'd come over and, hey, let's watch Star Trek reruns, it'd be cool. But he had this idea that there was going to be an alien spacecraft, and guys, I'm not trying to make fun of them, these are genuine, sincere, loving people that didn't get the chance, perhaps, to hear the truth like we heard it. This is, this, this is the whole point he's making. There are many affected. So they thought that they, there was an alien aircraft that was going to come. Right about the time the comet hale came around at its brightest, that this spaceship was going to come right when the comet came. And so they prepared themselves by putting on jumpsuits and Brand new Nike tennis shoes, if you remember that. They put cellophane bags over their head as well as poison themselves. Put a $5 bill, three quarters in their pocket and a patch on their shoulder that said Heaven's Gates Away Team. And 39 people when they walked into the building were dead lined up on the floor. And I look at that and think, you know what? The spaceship never came. Many affected This is the whole point John's just trying to say. He's trying to get our attention that, you know what? There are millions around you every day. That could be the next news story. But here's the good part. As he goes to this third part and this next uh, two verses, verses two and three, he says this. And this this is the good part. Here's the good news. There's a way to decipher the truth. All the voices, all the religions, all the opinions. John's coming to saying, okay. This is how simple it really is. And he says this, verse two and three. He says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. He says, every spirit that acknowledged that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So he takes the simplicity of the message and he says, this is what it's all about. It's about the gospel. It's about Jesus. It's about understanding that either Jesus was God, came and died for your sins, rose again on the third day, is alive forevermore, holds the keys of hell and death in his hands, or he's a teacher, he's a prophet, he's a cool-looking guy with blue eyes and long hair that looks on a flannel graph board. I mean, it's, it's one of the two. He's making it real simple, guys. And here's the part that you got to get, and I want to go there just for a few minutes this morning, the time that we have left. John is saying this that what really matters is the gospel message. It's not whether we raise hands or not, although we should. It's not whether you should march forward to have communion or sit. It doesn't matter whether we do the, you know, the Christian two-step or one-step or hand or the arm or whatever kind of crazy thing, learning behavior things that we do. He says, forget all of that. Forget all of the gibberish. Let's bring it down to just the basics he's either god or he's not and you've got to remember that john himself had written five books of the bible he wrote john the gospel of john first second third john and revelation during the book of john he wrote a scripture in there that is the most publicized most memorized scripture in history john 3:16 and in john 3:16 you will find all of the components that make up the basis of the gospel and Christianity. And how you define those five things will determine whether you're here or whether you're here. John makes it so clear. He says you're either in this camp or you're in that camp. And so I want to look at the real truth, at least based upon my opinion and what the Bible portrays truth to be. And I want to look at the gospel and the five parts of the gospel. And in John three sixteen, it says this. It says, for God, number one, God, so loved the world, man, that he gave his one and only son, Christ, that whoever believes in him, which is faith, shall not perish, but have eternal life, eternity. So John's saying this, if you really want to know when he says if Jesus is from God, it means that there's five components. God, man, Christ, faith, eternity. Say it with me. Come on. God, man, Christ, faith, eternity. Close your eyes and say it. Come on. God, man, Christ, faith, and eternity. How you define those things, what you believe will determine whether you're here or whether you're here. And depending on where you're at is going to determine where you go. And so I want to look at the few minutes that we have. I want to look at these five areas briefly and look at what this group believes and I want to look at what this group believes. When it comes to God, number one, let's look at God. Every world religion or cult tries to minimize or reduce the nature of God. So they start by deflating God whereas Christianity does everything to make him all-powerful, all-knowing. Worldwide Church of God believes this, that we can all become gods. Forget serving God, it wastes time. Just become one. And I'm not saying that to mock them, but, but there's people that believe that. The Mormons believe there's many gods. Hinduism believe that there's three main impersonal gods, millions of lesser gods. Hinduism believes similar things. And so transcendental meditation believes this. There's no difference between God and the creation. In other words, God is a tree. God's a flea. God's a bee. And they, they give their life to worshiping creation. Creation. I used to live in Lake Tahoe and I would go out to this one peak in the morning to pray and have devotions. There was a guy up the street that actually did the same thing, but we kind of worshiped other gods and his name was Frank and Frank would hug trees. And again, I'm not trying to make fun of Frank, but he was genuinely sincere that he was connecting by God by massaging the ponderosa pine or the Douglas fir. And that was his way of connecting with God. But when you look at what we believe, you look at what Christians believe, we believe that God is all powerful. Come on, Jeremiah 32, 27 says that He's the God of all flesh. There's nothing too difficult for Him. Nothing too difficult. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He knows every thought, every circumstance, every situation. He is ever present. He is in all places at all times. He's not bothered by what's happening in Iran and trying to figure out the little Seattle thing. I'm going to come over and fix the Washington D.C. And oh my God, Aunt Fuddy right here is having a heart attack, and it's all under his control. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, God is love, God is merciful, God is kind. Come on, you should be getting excited. It's the, when you look at the Bible, we realize that God is this big. We, Christianity paints God in a huge picture because he's huge. I mean, you can't even, you can't even put words on You can't even describe him. The minute you try to is the minute you limit him. But every religion comes to reduce him. And there's a, there's a whole strategy that's taking place with the Antichrist, the devil, the spirit of this age. Every religion, even though it's packaged different ways, is trying to deflate God and second of all, they then number two is they try to inflate man. Christianity's doing just the opposite. We're trying to inflate God to his true nature and identity, and we're trying to put man in his right place in regards to our sinful nature. So when you look at mankind, you begin to see that there is this elevation that happens. And here's the kicker the bigger that you can make man, The less that you can make God, the less need that you have for a Jesus. Because God, man, all of a sudden you begin bringing that gap in. And all of a sudden you can do something to bridge that gap. And that's exactly what's happening. So you have people like Baha'i. They believe that man's basically good and not a sinner. New Age movement believes that human potential is unlimited. If you think it, it can become. Not because of God, but just because of you. It's kind of like, boing, there it is. Mormons believe that man's basic nature is good. So we have this, again, 15 million people today that actually think that you were born good. That's not true. We have have a sinful nature. Just look at your children. Come on. Come on. Do you teach them how to rebel? Did you start at six months old saying, okay, Tommy, when I say don't touch the desk, you reach over and I'll smack your hand. You do it five more times. This is called rebellion. I want you to have it your whole life. You don't do that. My little granddaughter, Brindley, and I watch her as uh, my daughter and son-in-law try to, to help her and she'll, they'll say, now, Brindley, don't touch. And she'll go. Now she's doing it this way. She won't touch it, but she'll get about a quarter inch from it kind of. Where does that come from? <laughs> it's because it's inbred in us, it's part of our nature. See, but if 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 we can elevate man and say, you being basically good will get you to heaven. Is that true? No. Come on. If that's true, where's the line? People I say, you know, 80% of people today say they're going to heaven because they're a good person. Well, when is good not good enough? Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm a good person, and so where do you draw the line? 23 bad attitudes? 24? Oh, okay, you just blew it. You're, you're now going to hell on a grease pole. I mean, you just had 24 attitudes. Where do you draw the line? Where is, when is good not good enough? We believe that because it, it, it numbs us from the reality of what really exists. That's why it's so important, guys. Listen, this is why Jesus is everything. is because, first of all, there's none of you that are good. No, not one. That's what the Bible says. Romans 3. We all fall short of the glory of God, meaning that we're imperfect. Anybody ever have a bad thought? Two of you. That's good. Come on, have you ever had a bad thought? Have you ever got mad at someone? Have you ever kicked the dog? I mean, you... you fall short. It only takes one sin to be a sinner. You fall short. It says that the wages of sin is death. Jeremiah says that our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things. Second Timothy talks about us being, un- being selfish and unholy. Our nature without Christ is-, is narcissistic in nature. We are a bunch of selfish little brats without Jesus. It's why the whole issue of Jesus makes all the difference in the world. So we want to elevate God. We want to bring man down. Why? Because it creates this immeasurable gap. The reason why Jesus is so big is because the gap is colossal. And so when it comes to Christ, number three, when you look at this whole area of Christ... Every world religion or cult reduces Christ regarding his mission or identity. Most controversial figure in history. You can talk about God all day long. You can talk about prayer all day long with a friend. But as soon as you mention Jesus, their forehead splits, nine lizard demons come out. Come on. Come on. You're telling me Jesus is the only way? What a narrow-minded, judgmental person. I didn't say it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He's either Lord or a liar or a lunatic. The Moonies believe this. Christ's mission failed. And it paved away or allowed the opportunity for a man named Sun Young Moon to come along and successfully finish Christ's mission, no matter what he's done, so that you could all be saved. Thank you, Sun Young Moon. I mean, he did it, not Jesus. Christian science believed that he didn't die, his blood had no power. Islam actually believes that Jesus didn't go to the cross and die, Judas did. Jehovah's Witness believed that he's Michael the Archangel, and the Mormons actually believed that he was a polygamist. He had three wives, two of them happened to be Mary, and he was the spirit brother of the devil. That's why we've got to have this works mentality. I can go knock on a couple more doors and be more passionate because, the it's kind of like the gap's big enough. I can get there on my own. Little God, big man, miniature Jesus, little bobblehead, flanograph. <laughs> Listen, he's he's trying. He, guys, just stay with me. He's he's trying. He's trying to show us the seriousness of the gospel. What I believe really matters. He talks about faith next. God, man, Christ, faith. And the reality is that people believe in some kind of works that they can do or maybe another creature like Buddha or, Morm- or, or a Mooney or maybe it's even an organization. But we would come back to this place of saying this. Faith alone in Jesus Christ is your only hope of salvation ephesians 2 8 and 9 write it down it says for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith it's not by works it's nothing that you can do you'll never be good enough it's not based upon how good you are it's based upon being forgiven and he's saying listen regardless of what you did. This is the coolest part about the gospel. It's open to everybody. It's not an elite group. It's not whether you're smart or not or whether you've been good or bad. He's just saying this. Anybody can come to the table. I call that the fairest of all. It's anybody. Any one of you can come. He's just saying, if you just simply have faith and believe, Jesus Christ is God. And then lastly eternity, God, man, Christ, faith, eternity, we begin to realize that there's these different thoughts that come up and every world religion or cult, they, they, they build eternity in a different way. There's some groups that would believe it's a place for an elite organization. The Jehovah's witness believe only 144,000 will go there. There's only 11,202 on the books that are still living. The rest have gone. But there's now 12 to 18 million walking the earth. Where did the other millions go? Let's create a new doctrine. It's called heaven on earth. So we went from an elite place. Now we got a backup plan here where the rest of us can go. Everyone will eventually go to a heaven like the Mormons. Christian science believed that heaven's only a place in the mind. There's a lot of people today that believe that heaven or hell don't even exist. It just doesn't exist. Jehovah's Witness say you'll just be annihilated. If you don't go to heaven, you just get annihilated. Thank, thank God, you just fry for a second, and then so it's worth, you know. But here's one of the more troubling ones reincarnationism. And there's millions of people today that actually believe that what you do in this life will promote you or demote you to the next life to become something better or worse. The most selfish part of that kind of religion is that God would actually never tell you what you did in this life so you can better it in the next life. You ask someone who believes in reincarnation, what were you in the last life? A parrot? Uh, um, Were you, uh, what were you? A prince? A king? And what'd you do bad? And what'd you learn from that? And how are you going to be a better person? They can't answer it. And there, look at me. There's billions of people today that believe that. You look at India today and you look at the millions of people that are starving to death. Do you know that there is enough food to feed all the people in India? The reason why they're starving is because the rats eat 50% of the grain supply of the entire country. They won't kill the rats because it might be Grandma Fuddy, It might be Uncle Elmer. It might be... You guys, you just got to catch this. These These are sincere... Genuine people, they're dying because of their belief systems. There was a guy in Lake Tahoe that I knew that told me with passion he was going to be reincarnated as a world champion bicycle racer. And I kind of went, oh, that's kind of cute. (laughs) I'm convicted because you know what he did two weeks later? He put on his bicycle racing outfit rode his bike out to a meadow, blew his brains out. Guys, he wasn't in the last tour to France. He's not here. What he believed cost him his life. If you could just put the last screen up. I I want to finish with this thought. You just put all four of them up. John finishes in the last three verses to just say this that if you choose to believe this, Jesus is God, there are some benefits that come with it. And in the midst of all of your crisis and pressures and temptations and struggles and persecution and belief systems and everything that's coming your way, he says if you land here, you can count on four things. Number one, you will overcome. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have overcome them. It's a promise. We're overcomers. The Thank you for the one yes. Come on. We have Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. We have Christ. We have the truth. Thank God we have the truth. And here's the biggest part. We have God on our side. So he's saying, listen, there's a lot of worldviews and there's a lot of things going on, but if if you get here, if you're right here, if you really believe this, you can be assured you can have that. You know, as we close today, I hope and pray that you perhaps saw the gospel message clearer than ever before. There's a real God, all powerful, all knowing, ever present God, that left that to come down to die for a sinful person like you and like me, regardless of what we've done. And loved us so much, he was willing to come in the form of flesh, God Himself, to die. And, And here's the kicker if you just believe, you're forgiven, and you have eternal life. People always say, well, if God was so loving, why would he send man to hell? God doesn't send man to hell. Man sends himself to hell. I talked about, I'm not going to believe in Jesus. Don't blame it on God. He's making it pretty clear. Listen, when he came and he died, he died for everyone. He died for Jeffrey Dahmer. He died for Ted Bundy. He died for Charlie Manson. He died for the most vile drug addict, prostitute, for the pimp. He died for everybody. He says, listen, if you just believe this, you can have that. So simple. If you already believe this, Would you live like Jesus, please? I I beg you, please, listen to me. There are millions right around us that believe this. They might be your friend that puts on a bicycle outfit next week. What will you say to them on that day? Why you didn't share? This whole series, I mean, this is, I, I just finished where I began. Guys, this is convicting this is challenging for me too I'm just saying God help me to live better God help me to look at this stuff and not treat it as a normal predictable okay city Bible church nether service let's go to lunch my goodness millions are being affected and my prayer is God change me change you change us it's what we're all about live like jesus shares love if not let's 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 go have a salad let's let's forget the church game but if not if we believe this is the truth let's take a look at this message and say you know what i gotta make some adjustments in my life that person at work i'm gonna take him out for coffee my next door neighbor i go help him do something I'm going to get beyond the four walls, the rose-colored stained-glass windows of my life. I'm going to go live beyond myself. If we just catch that out of this series, we'll all feel better about life and about ourselves. Can I hear an amen? You guys hear my heart, my spirit? Let's live like Jesus. Let's share his love to a world that desperately needs him. That's why we're here.